0: The following is an at-will presentation.
1: Hi, what's your secret? So I was on Tinder, and I met this super cute firefighter, and we started messaging on Tinder. And it was like one of those things where, like, the first thing he asked for was, like, naked pictures. And being buzz slash drunk and adventurous, I sent them to him. And this was like a course over an entire weekend. Well, after that stopped about three months later, he came into where I works to have a random drug test because he's a firefighter. And he walked in, and I looked at him, and I was like, well, that guy's kind of cute, but he looks familiar. And I couldn't piece it all together until, like, 20 minutes later, it was like light bulb. And I was like, crap, I sent that guy naked pictures of me. <laughs> and I ignored him and didn't look at him at all. And he has no clue that I lied to him when he came <laughs> into my work. Well, that's a great secret. <laughs> well, thank you for that. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> I'm Ben Ham.
1: And I'm Dahlia Beta.
2: We're your hosts as we navigate the deep waters of humanity.
1: And listen to the stories no one ever tells.
2: You are entering the secret room.
1: Greetings, Secret Room listeners. Another week, another story for you. Ben, can you tell us a little bit about this week's story?
2: Yeah, sure, Dahlia. It's a story about family, unraveled over the years, even generations. This secret was gathered, produced, and brought to us by one of our contributors, Tree Mabry. Tree, welcome to The Secret Room.
3: Hey, guys. I'm happy to be in The Secret Room.
1: I just have one question. What is the deal with Nindaddy? Daddy? <laughs>
3: I think the idea was that the first grandchild would get to sort of decide what the grandparents were going to be named and that was um that was my cousin and I guess that's just what what it sounded like he was saying.
1: <laughs> okay, I get it. My nephew calls my parents Grammy and Pappy. And if you're confused, all will be revealed in the story. Let's get to it.
3: All right, yeah.
1: Okay, run, take off.
3: This is a very special recording for me. It doesn't sound great, but it's the only thing I have left for my granddad. I didn't understand a lot of things about Nendeti, which is what we grandchildren called him. I didn't understand why he would disappear for long stretches of time during family events, and why he seemed to prefer being on his own. I didn't understand his ever-shifting beliefs about central banks, freemasons, the illuminati, and the holocaust. But Whenever he brought his guitar over and picked out half-forgotten melodies from his youth, that was something that I could understand. And since my Nindaddy wasn't much for writing, and I've long since lost all the pocket knives that he gave me as a child, this recording is all I have of him. Just this recording and so many questions. My mom also had a lot of questions about Nindaddy. This is the story of how she came to understand her dad. It's a story of secrets taken to the grave and how such secrets can still haunt the living.
0: I grew up a normal child in a fairly normal family. At least I thought so at the time. Hi, my name's Kim. And I'm gonna tell someone else's secret. Someone very close to me.
3: So, what was your childhood like?
0: I had a brother and a sister. My sister was older. My brother was two years younger. And we, had, you know, grew up just, you know, happy and playing and all that. And so, you know, I didn't realize I was really what you would have called poor until I got in high school, and then I kind of could see the difference. My dad, when he worked, he worked at a railroad building company, but half of the year or more he would go on strike. You know, him and his union buddies would go on strike, and so we didn't have any money then.
3: I was always totally confused about Ninetti's beliefs concerning government and society. Even though he constantly ranted about such topics, his specific viewpoints seemed to fluctuate wildly, often from one sentence to the next. The only constant seemed to be a deep mistrust and bitterness towards the establishment.
0: There was always something different about my dad. He was always quiet. He was very anti-government. He was kind of eccentric, never voted, couldn't stand politics, didn't like established religion. Sometimes he would talk about, you know, Hitler and how, you know, the Jews were wrong. I mean, he just had so many crazy eccentric ideas.
3: I always felt like Nannetti's appearance offered clues into what was going on inside of him. His posture was slouched, but proud and commanding. His choice in clothing was at once both extremely practical and extremely absurd.
0: Okay, so he would take a t-shirt and cut the sleeves off and cut half of the length of the t-shirt off. So it was be kind of like a crop top. It'd be like right at his belt buckle. He would then take the sleeve of the t-shirt and make a headband out of it. So he would put the sleeve over his head to keep the sweat off. And he would take his blue jeans and cut them off. And I would say Daisy Dukes, and people will know what I mean. But short shorts, you know, they were like mid-thigh. And um, that's kind of what he wore.
3: My granddad would rant about the evils of banks and scientists. While I listened, nodding and smiling and secretly disagreeing with everything that he was saying, the more obvious it was that he was wrong, the harder I tried to pretend that he was right, I was afraid of toppling the windmills he tilted at, because I knew that he needed them.
0: And you didn't hardly talk to him a lot, you know, as far as, you didn't ask him questions. He was just, have you ever met a person like that who you just don't ask a lot of questions to? And, you know, we grew up kind of trying to stay out of, you know, dad's way. He was really strict on us, I mean... If he was watching TV and we came in and said anything, he would scream at us. You know, he was just this really strict person. My dad just was something different. It's almost like he had something on his mind the whole time.
3: My mom taught me from a young age that alcohol is inescapably evil. My view of alcohol has evolved, but so has my understanding of my mom's hatred and fear of it.
0: He wasn't one of these um, real violent alcoholics, but what he would do is when he got paid, he would go out and drink and play pool, and my mother would load us three kids up in the car and drive to the, all the, they called them beer joints, but he, she would make the rounds looking for his car or truck, he drove a blue truck. But she would make the rounds, and when she found it, sometimes she would send my sister in to go get the check from him, and sometimes she'd go in. But this was like a weekly or bi-weekly, you know, episode. And then my dad would come home, and I remember my mother would have us pray that, you know, our dad didn't kill anybody driving home or didn't kill himself or wasn't laying in a ditch somewhere. I mean, just all this, you know, sadness. So my life continued on until I was 16, and the first secret of my dad came out.
3: Over dinner one night, my grandmother told my mom and her siblings that they had a 19-year-old half-brother. My grandparents had kept him secret from their children for over a decade, and now he was coming to visit in one week.
0: And it was just took a minute to sink in, and we were, like, confused and hurt. And, like, we had had an bro- older brother all this time. I know especially my older sister. At the time, she was really, you know, hurt because all this time she had had to be the oldest and the toughest. And, uh, and she had an older brother.
3: As a young man, my granddad dated a girl for a year while he worked on a pipeline in Illinois. They broke up and my daddy moved back home to Alabama, where he started a family. By the time he found out about his son, the mother was married to another man and wanted nothing to do with my granddad.
0: We never knew about him. It was just like this huge strangeness that we didn't know. My dad knew we had a son all those years, but we never knew we had a brother. But that was the first secret that my parents kept. So that was the first time I said, man, I know nothing about these people I've been living with my whole life. But that's not the end of it.
3: A darker, more formative secret hung over Nindadi. A secret that would be the key to my mom understanding her father
0: so you know another three years go by so now I'm 19 20 my mom called me on the phone and she was real upset and she said I just want to let you know I'm getting a divorce from your father and she said yeah there's a few things I'd like to tell you about your dad and so she started all of this stuff and most of it I knew but then she had a a bombshell that I had never known. She said, you know, your dad was in prison. So what do you think about that?
3: And what did you think about that? How did you respond?
0: Complete quiet because I had no idea, you know, this man, this quiet man had been in prison and I'm trying to figure it out. You know, he got married when he was like 20 to my mom, who was 18. And when was there time for him to go to prison? And part of me thought, well, my mom's just making this up. You know, she's just telling us this story. Within a a week or so, my mom and dad decided to patch things up. Well, guess what that meant? That meant we never had the opportunity to find out about the secret. And I asked my mom about it, and she said, we're not going to talk about that. We're just not going to talk about that. That was in the past. I was angry. I should not have brought it up. We're just not going to talk about it. And that was the only answer we ever got. And so that was when I was like 20. So this knowledge or lack of knowledge followed me all the way through my adult life. And I, I never could ask him, you know, my dad, because you just didn't do it. And my mom was unwilling to tell me. My mom died suddenly when she was 58. I was about 30. And um, so anyway, that avenue of finding out about my dad was over. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I, can I stop a second? Okay. I didn't know I'd be so emotional.
3: When my grandmother let slip that my granddad had been in prison, she gave my mom a tantalizing clue into the dark secret that hung over Nindadi. But my mom wasn't really any closer to truly understanding her father. If anything, when my grandmother suddenly died due to the many medical issues that plagued her for years, my mom felt further away from truth and closure than ever before.
0: Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so um, I actually became closer to my dad Uh, during the next few years but uh, I never could ask him the question and we would go on these long drives and we'd go out walking in the woods and I always wanted to ask him but I could never ask him which is so strange it's almost as if I didn't want my dad to know that I knew I didn't want him to think I thought less of him for him having been in prison if it was even true you know I still didn't know 10 years later, so I would have been about 40, my grandmother, you know, my dad's mom, uh, Mimi, she got really sick. She was like 86, and she was in the hospital, and they needed different family members to go and stay with her and help her eat and drink and shifts. So uh, I was taking my shift, and um, we were up there talking, and her mind was starting to go, and she would start talking about random stuff, and this is going to sound pretty terrible, and I guess this would be my big secret in this whole thing. I said, I have an opportunity.
3: Secrets and stories that only exist in living memory are very fragile things. When my grandmother died, my mom lost one opportunity to come to terms with her father's secret. She decided that she was not going to lose another.
0: She's laying on her death, what turned out to be her deathbed, and she's rambling on about different things. I just asked the question. I said, so, Mimi, what about Larry going to prison? Can you tell me about that? And she did. And she started this story. You know, again, her mind was going, so it wasn't a real coherent story. All I got from her was Larry, um, that's my dad's name, was supposed to go in first, and his friend went in instead and got killed, and they shouldn't have sent Larry to prison. He didn't do anything wrong, and so that's all I got out of her, and that was after, you know, 10 minutes of, you know, questioning this poor woman. I finally got that much out of her, and so I still don't know, and I'm still, but I'm starting to piece it together.
3: Thanks to Mimi, my mom was now on the precipice of her dad's secret. But it would take one more death before she could freely pursue the full story.
0: My grandmother dies a couple of weeks later. And um, then my dad shortly after that was diagnosed with lung cancer. And it lingered for about five years. And then he finally passed away. My aunt, his sister she you know wasn't a whole lot in our life she lived somewhere else and we occasionally saw her so one time she was coming up and you know what my dad was dead so there was no reason for me not to know the secret now i couldn't hurt him any by knowing it so i asked his sister i said okay you know aunt sandra can uh, you tell me about nandy being in prison and eyes got kind of big and said, I didn't know you kids knew about that. I don't know if I should tell you. And I said, well, my dad's dead. You can't hurt him. And, you know, Mimi's dead. You can't hurt her. And I said, Mimi told me some things, but I didn't understand them. So she's okay, I'll tell you. She said that my dad, when he was like 16, 17 years old, um, he started getting into trouble, hanging around with the wrong people. And so three of them, they planned to rob this gas station, and they wait till it closed, and they wait till they think everybody's gone. It's late at night, midnight. They go to the store, they use a crowbar, and they break open one of the windows. And it's a high window, like six feet off the ground. Well, my dad is like 5'10". You know, he's not the tallest man. And my dad's gonna go in first. I don't know if he was the ringleader, or if he was just the underling and he was sent in first. I don't know any of those details. So anyway, he couldn't get in, and the other boys were laughing because he couldn't get in. And so the other guy said, I'll go in first. And he jumps up, his chest gets all the way in the store, and he's going to flip onto the floor, and there's a shot that rings out. The owner of the store was still there, and he shot you know, the man, the young man, teenager, as he was coming in. The other two guys ran, my dad and the other guy. I don't even know who the other guy was. My aunt couldn't remember. But she remembered the guy who got killed, and I won't say his name here because of his family. So anyway, they soon found my dad and the other guy because you know they were friends at school. It didn't take long to figure it out. And my dad, when he was like 16, was sent to a prison. I think he served three years. That's what my aunt remembered. I hate to say it, but it was almost a relief that, you know, my dad hadn't done anything violent. It was a bad thing that happened, especially for the young man that got killed. But as far as, you know, my dad's part in it, I could accept it.
3: Do you think it would have changed things for you if you had known his secret all along?
0: I think if I had known at the time, it wouldn't have been, you know, as big a deal because, you know, I can see what happened and I can understand it. And my dad could have been killed. I could have not even been here. I think he would have not have liked to have told me what happened, but I think he would have been real happy that I hadn't that I knew after I knew, you know, that I didn't hold it against him and I didn't judge him and I didn't think less of him. In fact, I kind of understood his whole life a little bit better based on that. I'm sure all of the problems he later on had and being anti-government, he probably felt that, you know, I've lost my best friend. Um, Why am I going to jail, but, you know, when you look at it through his eyes, I mean, he was an alcoholic from the time I remember. I look back and my dad was probably self-medicating is what they call it now, but I'm sure he felt guilty because he was not killed. I do think that he blamed himself and his whole life was centered around that one, you know, point that I never knew anything about that's why we do keep secrets because we're afraid uh, what people will think of us and you know you can look at them in two ways you can be ashamed of them and hide them or you can share them and talk to people and you just realize that you know that's just the way this is the way you are this is a part of your life so you don't have to live in that shadow and I think it's a whole lot better to go ahead and Tell your secret before it becomes a secret.
3: I started by saying that this recording was all I have left for my granddad. But of course, that's not really true. His life shaped my life because it shaped my mom's life. We all have secrets that for better or worse impact us and our families, whether we share them or not. All we can hope for is that our loved ones understand our mistakes, that they can forgive us and maybe help us forgive ourselves.
1: Wow, Tree. An epic family secret that spans generations. Impressive.
2: Now I have to come up with something to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tree, I I thought it was really a great story. When did you first learn about it? I think
3: kind of like with my mom, it sort of was a slow process.
2: I'm like a really
3: big believer in getting people to to record their stories when they can you know especially older people.
1: This concept of like recording your family stories is something that's kind of been on my mind for a while now. What recommendations would you have for me or for any of our listeners who want to go out and find their own family secrets?
3: Don't think of it as like you're going to to go uncover some you know big secret about your grandfather going to prison or you know don't think you're going to go out and get the best most meaningful recording i would say you know just go and and have a conversation and and start with that and record that i um had a conversation with my grandmother and we were just sitting on her back porch and in that conversation we uh Got into talking about being around in the 60s in and, and Birmingham, Alabama during the, uh, all the civil rights stuff that was going on. Just all kinds of different crazy things, but it all started as just a, a normal conversation. Even getting a recording like that could end up being irreplaceable.
2: Well, Tree, we've got you in the secret room, and you've told a family secret, but uh, I think there might be a rite of passage here. Uh-oh. Right, Dahlia? Oh,
1: I totally agree. Tree, it's time.
2: Give us a tree secret. Oh, no. Putting me on the hot
3: seat. <laughs> well, let's see. I I was in first grade, and I had a, a math assignment that I had to get done, and if I didn't finish it, I was going to have to sit on the the side of the playground and watch all the other kids play while i while i finished it that was the rule and so there i was and i was sitting with a few of what i considered to be the bad kids the bad crowd and uh i really didn't feel like i fit in that crowd so I did what I thought was the most logical and reasonable thing to do. I told my teacher that I was finished and she um, let me go play. When no one was looking I bent down and I buried the assignment right right there in the playground. Yeah so in my attempt to not be seen as one of the the bad kids I I did something that was that was bad.
2: (laughs) So what what grade was this? It was first grade I think when I
3: remember yeah. And so You buried your homework. I buried my homework. (laughs) That's really funny. So
1: Tree has a podcast. It's called Endless Reverberations. Tree, do you want to say anything about your podcast?
3: Endless Reverberations is an attempt to combine the stories of the past with the stories that we're living right now. So you may hear a story that includes both Winston Churchill and... The homeless person that you were ignoring on the city bus today Uh, it basically tries to find connections with stories that wouldn't seem like they would connect. Because I believe that all stories reverberate if we listen. All of my episodes have a lot of fun sonic textures. They usually consist of original music. So yeah, you can go to endlessreverberations.com. And on Twitter, I'm
2: at endlessreverb. Sounds great. Everybody should go listen. Tree, thanks a lot for joining us in the secret room. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, uh, well, it's been a blast. I appreciate it, guys. Next time in the secret room, a woman who hears and responds to secrets in her job. But that's just extra. It's actually not in her job description at all.
3: Honestly, I feel like if I were like, go for it, do it, you do it. <laughs> or if I were like, no, don't, like, the fantasy's better than the reality, then... You know, they're like, yeah, 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 you're right.
2: Find out what her job is and the really, really personal things people tell her next time. Well, that's episode 22 of The Secret Room, Dahlia.
1: Hey, we're adding up those episodes.
2: Yeah, we're building a catalog.
1: 22. That's Italian.
2: What does it mean? 22. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 22. <dos>. That's Spanish. <laughs>
1: Our theme song, of course, is written by Breakmaster Cylinder, as well as some of the music in our show. But in Tree's story, he actually wrote all of that music himself.
2: Yeah, he's an all-in-one contributor. He's got the music, the editing, the voicing—did the whole thing. Good job. Woohoo! Okay, you're you're doing Twitter now.
1: No, you're doing. I'm so confused. You wrote it down. <laughs> I know.
2: You can follow the Secret Room at Secret Room Pod on Twitter.
1: Sometimes we post.
2: Yeah, not very often. <laughs> But if you go follow us now, you can see like five or six posts from the last year.
1: Yay. Look, guys, look. We really want to hear your secrets. And you know you have them. Please send them to us. You can go to the website, www.secretroompodcast.com. And there's a submission. It's anonymous if you want it to be. Um, You can leave your number. We'll call you back if you want us to. You can also call us at 929 265 nine-265-TSRP. And leave a voicemail. And we can use that voicemail at the top of the show. So really, share those secrets. We need them. We love them.
2: And if you're a new listener to The Secret Room, or if you're an old listener who hasn't sent in a review, and you want those secrets to keep coming, we're inviting you now, asking you very, very sincerely, go to iTunes and leave us five stars. Yeah, that sucks.
1: (laughs) No, I like it. And you also sounded like the pledge (laughs) drive
2: great (laughs) call 277 help
1: plus i get really happy whenever i see five stars like i'm a perfectionist i'm a goody two shoes need to see those stars
2: nice so make dahlia happy leave five stars
1: (laughs) i'm dahlia beta
2: (laughs) and i'm ben ham
1: and this is the secret room
2: pot on